Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Don't forget, too, you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. But you'll have to go to pageantslive.com to watch Miss Mississippi Emmy Perkins compete for the Miss America crown. And she She's joining us today from location to check in. Hey, Emmy. Hello. I'm joining you from the Mohegan Sun at Miss America. I was just going to say, you? where exactly are you? Where, Like right now, like what is your surroundings? Or did you sort of get off to somewhere quiet? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Connecticut. I stepped away from rehearsals. We are getting ready to put on the second night of preliminary competition. I practiced my talent. And so tonight I will take the Miss America stage doing the thing that I love the most in the world, and that's singing. Is that singing? Now, will you get to sing your original song, There She Is, or do you have something else prepared? I actually wrote that song after we turned in our talent selection, so that would have been a really cool thing to perform on the Miss America stage. But I'm singing a different selection, one that I actually sang for the first time my junior year of high school, and now I'm singing it on the Miss America stage. It's an all-time favorite of mine. And I'm excited for you guys to find out what it is in just a couple short hours. Oh, she's going to leave us hanging. So if we want to yes, tune in and yeah, and hear you sing tonight, Emmy, how do we do that? If you want to join in, you can go to pageantslive.com and you can get a subscription for just one month. It's about $30 so that you can stream the preliminary competition. It's going to start at 6 o'clock p.m. in Mississippi. So I really encourage you to tune in, support all 51 of the incredible women taken to the stage because this has been a week of hard work and all of us that have been preparing our whole lives to get to this moment. And so last night you had the first night of of preliminaries. What all did you girls do last night? So I did my preliminary evening gown competition and then I also did social impact where you talk about what you're doing in your community and your state to advance your social cause, which mine is music is medicine, bringing music and the arts to hospitals, nursing homes, and school systems across the state and the nation. I felt truly empowered last night taking to the stage. I carried my state of Mississippi in my heart as I walked across that Miss America stage. And I know your beautiful dress, which there are photos, if you didn't get to see it uh, around social media, was absolutely stunning. And there's a war- there's a warm story behind what motivated you to try or to choose that particular gown. What was sort of your thought process when you were picking your Miss America, gra- Miss America uh, gown? Yes, so when my mom and I went to Lasting Impressions in Georgia, that's an incredible sponsor of the Miss Mississippi Corporation, I had one goal in mind. I said, 
any other color but white. <laughs> and obviously, I ended up wearing a white gown, so that did not meet my expectations. It far exceeded it because I ended up in a beautiful gown that was not what I thought I would end up with. But the criteria for that gown for me was, number one, I wanted the gown to somehow represent where my family immigrated from in Jazine, Lebanon, the city of Waterfalls. And the beading on the gown when I tried it on reminded me of that city of waterfalls. And then the second criteria was I wanted to feel like I was standing tall on the inside when I put whatever gown on that it was that would end up being my Miss America gown. Because I talked about it, Miss Mississippi winning an evening gown preliminary at only 5-1 was so empowering not only for me, but for girls that felt like things were holding them back. And so to be able to wear a dress that signified all those things in one was empowering, it was inspiring, and it was just a surreal moment that's hard to put into words. Well, it was stunning. That's the word I would Thank use you. for it. I think it it it, it uh, clicked off all your criteria um, beautifully. Yes, it sure did. So you have the talent coming up tonight. What's left? Because I know the main event's Thursday, so that's two more days of prelims. After tonight, what you got coming? Well, that's it. I've just got oh. talent rehearsal or talent performance tonight, and then I actually got selected to be a finalist for the Social Impact Initiative Award. That's a separate scholarship. So I'll be interviewing for the chance to win five thousand extra dollars. Actually, ten thousand extra dollars is first place. Second place gets five thousand, and that basically is a panel of different judges that is not scored with your competition scoring. That will, you know, account for what you've done in your year of service for your social impact. So I'm a finalist with Alabama and Kentucky for that award. So. Be praying for me and thinking about me tomorrow because I interviewed for that additional scholarship at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, congratulations on that. You know, we are all behind you and anything that you're doing there to represent Mississippi, you do it so well. But I read also before your main interview, because you've already had that, that's for a different um, sort of award, but for the Miss America pageant, to me, that's the scariest part is the actual interview, which I know you ladies get interviewed. And then if you make it into the top, you get interviewed again. But you kind of sang yourself your own song, There She Is. Why was that important, or why was that meaningful for you at that time? Every single time I'm about to walk into a situation where I feel a little nervous or where things feel unknown, music is the thing that calms me down. And so I put my headphones in before my Miss Mississippi interview, and before my Miss America interview, I wanted to emulate that same feeling I had walking into my Miss Mississippi interview. But it was so special because... Not only could I listen to music, but I could listen to a song that I published that's on all streaming platforms. And so the words of that song embody who the modern-day Miss America is, whether that's me at the end of the week or another young woman. I don't want to be Miss America for myself. I want to do it so that I, w I want others to have the opportunity to shine, and I want whoever represents this, the country as Miss America to embody the words of my original song because that is the modern day woman and the modern day Miss America. Now you wouldn't be there at the Miss America uh, pageant without first having worn the crown of Miss um, Mississippi State University of 2022. And man, it's just been a rough week for the Bulldog family. I know oh, you. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. So you shared a wonderful story though the first time you got to meet uh, Coach Leach. Will you share that with us? Absolutely. I just want to say um, I'm thinking about Mike Leach's family and friends, and I'm sending my prayers and condolences to them and all of Bulldog Nation. I'm a Bulldog at heart, and that's where I got my start. And so to see someone so precious to all of us lose their life so suddenly 
is very, very heartbreaking. But, you know, when you think about somebody like Mike Leach, you think about the wonderful things that he leaves behind in his legacy. I think that's one of the most important things we can do in our lives is leave a footprint. And so when I got named Miss Mississippi State University, I actually got the opportunity to meet Mike Leach at an outing. And so I went into the room, and somebody goes, Mike Leach, this is Miss Mississippi State University. And he started singing Hank Williams Jr.'s song, All My Rowdy Friends. And he said, Miss Mississippi just walked through the door. Uh And so, honestly, it's as if Mike Leach predicted that I would be here before I even knew that myself, which is so impactful and powerful in the way that so many people have stories just like that, just as a testament to who he is. So, like I said, deepest condolences to his family members. I know that they're probably hurting so extremely hard, and so I'll be sending all my love and prayers to them as I go through my Miss America week. But hopefully that story can bring a smile to somebody's life in this difficult time. Well, he made a good prediction, and oh, he was, you. and I think you're you're doing it well. I think you're the right right girl for the job for this year for sure, and we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to watch because the big night, although you're, you are singing tonight, but if they, if they register, though, they are able to watch it all. So you might as well, if you're going to watch the big night, you might as well go ahead and register so you can watch as much as possible. So give us all the times for tonight and then also for Thursday. So tonight will be 6 o'clock in Mississippi, and then Thursday will be 7 o'clock, one hour later in Mississippi. And they will name a top 10 and then an 11th place contestant that will get to buy for the title of Miss America. That will be a Miss America's Choice where you can donate money to get your favorite candidate into the top. 11 and so my voting is still open the link is on my instagram bio if you feel led to vote for that but i'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be here i'm grateful for the adventure of a lifetime that i never knew would be a dream of mine it's been something that i never knew i needed i've made so many friends in so many different states i now have a friend in each and every state across the country and for that I'm grateful, and I'm just grateful that God granted me this opportunity. So let's give us a little bit of behind the scenes. You wouldn't believe X. Oh, you wouldn't believe that at Miss America, the candidates only get about five, four to five hours of sleep a night. So they do have a behind-the-scenes nap room with little cots scattered all across the room. And so when we do have free time during the day, we will all go take naps together. I think about an hour ago, me and Florida, Miss Florida, we're really good friends. We went, we looked at each other and said, it's time for our daily nap. And I was like, yeah, let's go to the cot room. So that's a super cool perk of competing at Miss America. You, you get, get to take naps. lots of naps in the cot room. <laughs> well, I would ask you what you want for Christmas, but I already know it's for the Miss America crown. And even if that doesn't happen, you have uh, definitely represented Mississippi well. Emmy, I'm rooting for you. I know we're all rooting for you. So good luck. And again, that's pageantslive.com. Can't wait to talk to you after, girl. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for having me today. All righty. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. your afternoon just a little brighter it's good things with rebecca turner on super talk mississippi 
You can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. You got Middays with Jar Gilbert live at Mississippi Blood Services tomorrow at Treetops Boulevard location off of Lakeland Drive in Flowood. You can help Mississippi Blood Services celebrate the season of giving. So give the gift of life and donate today. When you donate this week, you will receive either a knit beanie with some embroidery on it. I see it hadn't changed. The embossed. Word embossed. Or that's just such a big word for fancy stuff on it or a campfire mug while supplies last but you shouldn't need a gift to give the gift of life so if if you're um, into donating or thought about it this would be a great time to do it and if you're into voting for mississippi don't forget in the good things facebook group there is the direct link to vote for natchez which they are up for a national recognition uh, through travel and leisure the cool part about their contest you only get to vote once so it's not one of those you got to vote every day, kind of hounding you things. Just take your time, find the link, go vote for Natchez and be done with it. And then I'll also make sure that we put the link in there if you would like. Uh, I think you have 48 hours left if you would like to support Emmy Perkins, Miss Mississippi, um, with her contest there for, for Miss America. We'll make that available for you. And if you were listening to Gary uh, um, Bachman yesterday, you uh, might remember the fruitcake recipe that he's been passing down through generations. I have also posted that there if you would like to go get it. And that get, got me tickled, or I guess it didn't get me. It got me tickled, but you're the one who brought it up rhino that remember gary mentioned that this recipe recipe was from the 1950s and so some of the ingredients are a little bit different than how they may appear in your local grocery store today one being what rhino seeded raisins yeah it just when i saw it it immediately reminded me of i have a a little blue self-published police wives cookbook that my mom made sure she got a copy for each of her boys and then when we went off to college and got her own place she handed it over it had her name in it from the day she got it and you flip through it and it's got some of those old recipes with old instructions or measurements or just really old words for things like for example one of the recipes includes, and it, actually the chocolate chest pie recipe includes, a half an eggshell of milk as a measurement. Or it, you'll have a recipe that calls for oleo. Well, unless you grew up sometime before the 80s, you don't really know that oleo is basically fat. Right. <laughs> it can be any kind of fat, but usually it's processed fat, like margarine kind of thing. I just appreciate the half an egg. I'm going to guess that's one to two teaspoons or tablespoons. It's a little different each time, and you got to be good at cracking the eggshell to get the right amount to, to get it just right. But I was just, I was racking my brain trying to think of other crazy measurements that I remember seeing in there. And I remember seeing all these different measurements for a cup, like a wine glass or a coffee cup. Or a cup, which wasn't really a cup. It was about a fifth larger the farther back you go in recipes and stuff like that. That while it's all written down, it's all clear cut in black and white how to make it, you can still mess it up if you don't know the translation on some of these things. 
Well, and you have to think, too, the recipes that have been passed down. I mean, there was probably a time, like right now, everyone listening to Good Things, if you went to your kitchen and you opened a drawer, 9.9 out of 10 of us all have cup, three-fourths, two-thirds. They're standard. You, You can go to the dollar store now and get... You know, a whole set of them for like a dot for well for a dollar or probably less. So, and you probably have multiple of those because they're now so widely available. There was probably a time where you didn't have all the different. You may have had a cup or a hat. I mean, you may have had the standard, but to get to the nitty gritty of them, and so grandma or auntie or whoever was doing the cooking, I mean, they just knew by their hands or by a pinch or by what or you a know flip-flip. or they had a you know my when you say that my mother in law. She's got a um, thing for the flour that sits on the, the top of her counter, and it's not a measuring cup that's in there that she makes biscuits out of. I don't know what it is. It's a cup. I mean, it's a container, but it's the biscuit cup. I mean, it's, it's a scoop. It's a scoop of the biscuit cup. I don't. I don't know if it was an old like um, kid um, drink cup that came from God knows where, and then it just got to be the oh, this is the perfect amount, and it got kind of stuck in there. And so, if she was to ever write down her recipe, she'd have to figure out what that was. And so, I mean, even with coffee, a lot of us don't actually have a coffee scoop in there. You've got something else that just you figured out that was the perfect measuring for your perfect scoop of coffee, and uh, which for a long time was a tablespoon for us out of the out of one of the measuring sort of things. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. I just got a text from a friend that I've I've let use. Nobody borrows it. I've let them use the police wives cookbook. And they reminded me that there is a recipe in there that calls for butter the size of an egg. Butter the size of an egg. Which apparently does translate to I want to say it's a quarter of a cup of butter. Well, now you're now you've got me. Okay, so you're thinking this was like back in the what? Your mom gave you this cookbook? I mean, the cookbook was produced in the early 90s. I want to say 91, 92, but it was a collection of recipes from all the police wives for the police wives auxiliary. They brought them together and made a cookbook to raise money. And some of those recipes have to be over 100 years old. Right. And so when the first time someone says, hey, Granny, how do you make your egg parmesan or your, you know, beef tenderloin or your fried steak you know smothered and whatever she's like i don't um, let me an egg size of butter i mean come on now but that's golden that's great like those are the things you have to stop and scratch your head and sort of think through william in Cortland said a half an eggshell sounds like a shot to me probably does translate to that pretty well like a shot glass would be half an eggshell a pinch or a dash? Well, I know a dash. I've actually looked that one up before. A dash is an eighth of a teaspoon. So I hate reading, and I I am guilty of this sometimes if you get my recipes in different places. But one of the worst things is to taste. But some things are to taste, like salt, pepper, any sort of, the, you know, it's to taste. But you're like, but to taste to what? Like, how do I know what? It should taste like if you don't know what to ta- like, what taste is. Which there's really, I've only come across one example of to taste where it made sense to me perfectly. And that is seasoning water that you're going to boil pasta in. It should be salty to taste like ah. the ocean. 
So you're using it figuratively. Yeah. Ha! Huh. I'm today years old. I never even thought about it meaning, oh gosh, if you actually took that as face value and every recipe that says salt to taste, good googly moogly. <laughs> That's a lot of salt in a lot of different recipes. But yes, that that makes sense uh, there. I do know in more, um, I guess, uh, frou-frou recipes or ones that use like the um, pink salts or the or coarse salts. Oh yeah, it's, flaky salt is the best. And it's because in in fast-paced restaurants who are serving a higher level of whatever, they don't have time to measure, and so skilled chefs and home cooks know what the right amount feels like in their fingers and so if you take the difference between the pink salt or the what's the starts with an h himalayan thank you that kind of salt or just rock whatever not rock salt that'd be terrible don't do that (laughs) unless you're making homemade ice cream unless you're making homemade ice cream do not put that in your throw that off in your chicken and dumplings and see how it turns out they can feel, and so they know the right amount, and so they don't have to take that extra step of actually doing that. But if you took your table salt that's just on your table and tried to do it to a pinch, it can get wet, it can get whatever, and it doesn't it doesn't work as well. Same with the cracking of the pepper. I mean, there is a quality effort to the actual cracking, but they know the number of cracks versus the shaking of the shaker and it's also a cultural thing i've growing in my knowledge of indian culture and cuisine and asian cultures and their different types of cuisines i've learned and i've become fascinated by how they measure things like for example indian cuisine is known for being heavily spiced and if you watch any videos of traditional indian food being made there's not a measuring cup in sight but there are piles of these brightly colored spices that they just know I need this much of this one and this much of this one and they just grab and add it to it and it's by feel and by sight mm-hmm. because of the bright colors and the and the texture they just know and think about that think about a, a recipe where you add all these different spices if you get just one of them off it tastes a little funky but they got 12 different spices and they're using feel to measure all of it and it winds up being delicious when boiling seafood most uses rock salt huh fun tip asian cuisine has rock sugar where instead of measuring out a teaspoon of sugar you'll put a couple lumps of sugar i like it sounds delicious you guys stick with us we got more good headlines for you up next Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over 
Don't forget you can listen to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app and, of course, your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But if you miss any of the good interviews here on Good Things and Beyond, you can get it on Supertalk Mississippi's YouTube channel. Just search Supertalk Mississippi on YouTube or go to supertalk.fm slash YouTube, and then you can subscribe. It's free. You'll get the latest scoop on what's happening in Mississippi news, politics, sports, and, of course, the good things. So I did a little Google search, uh, Rhino, about old, me- old measuring methods, which that can be interesting. And ancient measurement was the length was based on the human body. Oh, so yeah. So they didn't have, like, measuring tapes. I mean, this is... Which you, you know, still see that in how horses are measured. Their height is measured in hands. Really? And it's it's a standardized measure now, but they still measure. But our hands are different, right? So the way ish, so ish, the way it worked back in the day, in the ancient days, is basically whoever was king was the set for measurement. (gasps) So the king's hand was a hand in the country they ruled. Got it. How interesting. I wonder if there was any small hand syndrome going on. (laughs) Um, But they were saying, you know, you still have the span of the hand, the breadth of the thumb. I think some people still use. I know a lot of um, men will walk off for feet, like to sort of get an ish measurement of different things that we still use and sort of apply today. Um, but when you think about food, which is what we were talking about, the whole seeded uh, seeded raisins things got us here on Good Things. Don't forget, you can get that fruitcake recipe on the Good Things Facebook group. But looking back at a 2017 article in The Atlantic, the first cookbooks were around like the 14-1500s. And apparently that was more for memory aids of the chef and the staff. It wasn't like a how-to. It was right. more just sort of write down for ordering, collecting, and all of that. They kind of just, that was their craft. They kind of just knew it. But you were probably also very limited to the recipe, and in air quotes, recipes that they were cooking, right? And that, now they got more creative as, you know, they were able to get in there and work with their ingredients, but it's not like a chef has recipes now in right. a fancy restaurant. But here are some of the weight and measurements that were consistent. Wheat flour, a pound of wheat flour is one quart. So they knew, and I'm sure they probably didn't know what a quart necessarily for, but they knew that that whatever called for a pound of flour, which then could be translated to a quart of flour, Indian meal, a pound of Indian meal and two ounces is one quart. That's funny. Butter, when softened, one pound is a quart. These people like quarts. Loaf sugar, broken, one pound is a quart. Which, that in and of itself is a a way of handling and packaging sugar that has pretty much been lost. Loaf sugar is if you ever see a period piece set in the 1800s or earlier, and in the middle of a table in the kitchen you have just this cone of white. Looks almost like a table decoration. Except that's loaf sugar. It's like eight or nine pounds of sugar compressed into a cone, and that's how sugar was sold. You you didn't have, like, at the time you had what was called granite sugar, which is what you would call granulated sugar, which is just table sugar. But if you wanted sugar to use, you would cut it off or, or drag it off of that loaf 
into a mortar and pestle and grind it, it to down. whatever you needed, whether it be granite sugar, like grains of sand, or if you needed caster sugar or powdered sugar, you had to grind it. Thinking That made me think of, and that was probably due to transportation and other things, it was probably an easier product to, to transport. I mean, could you imagine if just boxes of loose sugar? I mean, it would have been... It would have been terrible without the kind of packaging that we have today. But Americans are still one of the only places in the world that still buys our milk fresh and cold out of the refrigerator. Most of the most of the world buys it powdered on on the shelf. In we Canada are, it comes in bags. Yes. And then they add water and rehydrate it. Americans are pretty bushy about how they prefer to how they think about having to purchase uh, fluid milk. Andy and Jackson says he uses some of his mom's old recipes, and they never taste exactly like hers. A to the men. I have made my mother's meatloaf. Didn't happen. I made my mama spaghetti. Did something wrong. You, it, I feel like there is something magical about a singular person, the ingredients, mix in the actual cooking, the oven, their pots and pans, Things they can't teach you in terms of timing, taste, smells, all of that wraps into what they are able to serve up for you. Yeah, I just, the spaghetti thing, I just don't get it. Why I can't replicate that. Because she doesn't make her sauce from scratch. But whatever else she adds to it, I just, she's all like mamas. I, I don't think there's been a whole lot of really rigorous study, but I, I do remember reading at least one study into the psychology of that, and they looked at sandwiches. And they looked at the the way you would rate, I think it was on a scale of 1 to 10, or 0 to 10, for like four or five different criteria, where you, you sat down and had a sandwich with a certain number of ingredients. I believe it was like two slices of bread, I think it was a ham and cheese sandwich with tomato and lettuce or something like that. But they had very specific ingredients that were on the sandwich so they mm-hmm. could control it. And they presented you with a control sandwich that you ate and then grated. And then you came back like a couple weeks later and you made your own sandwich. Same exact ingredients, same exact size and everything. And grated it yourself if you made it. And pretty much universally, the sandwich that you make you are going to grade at a lower level really? than a sandwich someone else made for you. Oh, that's interesting. That also would be interesting to see how how we all differ and how we make the same th- thing, the end product, which is a sandwich. That's the end goal. We want something to eat. We get a sandwich. But we end with starting with the same ingredients. Some of you are going to leave out ingredients. Some of you are going to put more of one than the other. You're going to layer it differently. You're going to cut the bread differently or not at all. And then, But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. That's true, though. My mom makes phenomenal sandwiches. I totally stink at it. There's a reason you got all these different sandwich delis and stuff like that. It, there's just there's something in our brain that we like sandwiches made by someone else. I I agree. I, but I like I like a good sandwich. Thinking of things that you can make without needing a recipe. Do you have something on hand? And I'm not talking about like mac and cheese out of the box, right? Okay. But is there a a true recipe that somebody else just couldn't replicate? by watching you that you can make without without even hesitation you need you need to pull out nothing you can just get the ingredients you can go from start to finish you won't second guess yourself boom it's done uh 
There is an elusive party chicken recipe that I've been trying to remember for years now because there was one particular party that I threw at my first apartment with a small group of friends, and we got hungry, and we made the responsible decision to not try to drive somewhere and get food because all of us had been drinking. And we decided, I, you know what? I've got frozen chicken breasts in the freezer. We can have some party chicken. And we took the frozen chicken breast, threw them in a skillet, poured some beer over it, and a shot of whiskey with about a half a stick of butter. How much had y'all been drinking? We'd been drinking a bunch. And there's, there's something, whether it was our inebriation or there was something about the, the order in which we added the beer and the whiskey to the chicken, that chicken that night was delicious. We were all raving over it. And I've tried to recreate it since, both inebriated and completely sober, and it's never quite the same. No. I think that had some all the things uh, sort of going for so it. So the elusive was. party chicken is one that I can just throw together, and it's going to be good, but I, it, I've never quite hit that perfection of the first time. So me, nothing. There's absolutely nothing I can come to mind that I would not second, not even taco soup. I'm just thinking, you could make taco soup without, by now, without going back nope i would panic over which packets of which seasoning and then which beans go in which or whatever so i i am a panic rule follower recipe follower i would <laughs> i am the one who will throw away the instructions to the mac and to the mac and cheese or the hamburger helper and then go look Back out of the trash can to see, well, crap, how much, how long was I supposed to cook it? Not how you cook it, but more of like how long was it supposed to be supposed to be done? Darren and Jackson says biscuits. Make that without even thinking about it. You just know the ingredients from start to finish. And Larry and Jackson says hamburgers. Jeff in Oxford says when you make a sandwich, it's first flavor that hits your tongue that sets the tone. Do you put mustard on the top piece of bread or the bottom? It makes a difference in taste. I don't care about the top or the bottom, but if there's going to be cheese, my mustard must meet my cheese and my tomato must meet my mayonnaise. I don't care which end of the sandwich they go on. But if my, if my, if my cheese is mustard free, I'm going to be mad. There you go. Good question, then. Stick with us. We got more for you up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, we're 
are having a good time here on Good Things. You can watch us over on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Here's your fun fact for the day. If you've been keeping up with our measurement conversation, 10 eggs is a pound. Take that tidbit of knowledge and wow somebody this afternoon. (laughs) Do you know how many eggs there are in a pound? I guess technically now it would probably depend on the size of eggs and all that. Let's not get into that, but... Back in the day, consistently, 10 eggs was probably a pound, which led me to think about the little measuring things there in your grocery store. Do, do you still do you actually use that for like your bananas, your onions, scale. your potatoes, whatever it, it may be? Are you that particular about what you're going to purchase? I know if you're on a tight budget, probably so. Oh, yeah. Um, but most of us, if it's like if the recipe calls for – you know, however many, you usually get twice as much is usually how it goes down or not. But my daughter loves to play with it. Mom, can I, you know, she sits there and puts the potatoes up and down, up and down and sees how many potatoes it takes to get, you know, to go all the way down. And I'm just thinking, yeah, just go on and exercise that the STEM knowledge there and well, it's aggravate an ex- somebody else. It's an extension of people eat with their eyes. I mean, if you you could take the same burger and fries, and if you put it on a paper towel and hand it to somebody, versus putting it in a little wire basket with a little red and white checkered piece of paper and a little garnish of parsley or something, you're going to judge the same burger, same fries. You're going to judge it differently because people eat with their eyes. Well, because you're shopping for what you're going to eat, a lot of people shop with their eyes. Instead of shopping with, with the idea of, all right, well, this much weight of onions is going to cost me this much. They'll just go over to the pile of onions and find the ones that look best to them oh, and, so and kind of just guess, well, I could use three onions. And they're not worried about the weight. I always feel bad for them potatoes that get molested all the time, especially sweet potatoes around holiday season. You see folks over there just holding and weighing and picking up and looking and putting back I and mean, the potatoes have a complex because you feel if you, if you relate to the party you get all the leftovers and you're like oh you didn't make it to the creme de la crop like <laughs> someone picked you up and put you down 500 500 times here's a fun fact for you too when you're thinking about potatoes and using different things as measurement from a health perspective a serving an individual serving size potato is the size of your hand so like if you can pick up the potato and it fits in the palm like not the palm but like in the width of your hand or the length of your hand then that's a normal size potato versus some of the blue ribbon potatoes that find their way into our um, grocery stores that would technically be for people's serving size. So you're saying if I go to McAllister's and get a Spud Max that's about eight inches long and about six inches wide covered and stuff, Unless you're I shouldn't Goliath. eat that in one sitting? Unless you're arm wrestling champion Wayne Withers. <laughs> they, his, his hands probably are that big or Goliath's, but not, not mine. Now, Wendy's size potato, maybe so, but but that's always just a fun way if you are into portion control or sort of care. And, too, I hear from a taste and texture sort of standpoint, your smallest aren't necessarily the best. Your largest aren't always the best. It's finding that sort of medium potato that will give you the consistency and the flavor that you're that you're looking for. You say that, but I've been on a, on a pot roast kick, making pot roast in the crock pot, and I've found... I went from getting the big bag of potatoes and cutting them up and stuff and and going through a big bag in about a month or so to taking a little 
more splurging a little bit on the bags of the small potatoes. Mm-hmm. But because they're smaller and they're slow cooking, they soak up so much of that flavor. That's true. And the smaller potato, the more surface area you have for skin, which is going to give you more fiber and flavor that way. Because you're leaving the skin on, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm not going to worry about peeling all those little taters. (laughs) Porch Cat will look at you like, you have lost your mind. Yeah, if you did it that way, for sure. Hmm. Now I want some potatoes. Now I'm thinking, how can I... I need to go home and make some potatoes. I feel like that's one thing most of us have in our You can entry. use our other way of measuring. You can Michael Myers the potato before you wrap it with saran wrap and stick it in the microwave. I'm going to somehow slip that into a recipe in the formal instructions and see if an editor catches it. You just wait and see. Um, I'm going to figure out a way. Just Michael Myers the potato. Next step. It's like, wait, what? You need a pound of eggs. Well, how much is that, Rebecca? Ten. <laughs> There's not too many recipes anymore that calls for 10 eggs. <laughs> a half a pound, maybe. I don't know. All right. The conversation never ends over on the Good Things Facebook group. We would love to have you there, but stick with us. You got more up next with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good things Talk Mississippi Media Production.